Welcome to Speaking from Experience, presented by APR Media. And welcome back to Speaking from Experience. I'm here in studio today with Jacob Cruiser, and I'm very, very excited to get to talk to Jacob and uh, talk about the new song that he just released out on Facebook Live and some of the stuff you've been doing previously in music and then getting back into it. But Jacob, first of all, thanks for being here, man, and I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. So, Jacob, I'm going to jump right off and start with this. Where did this passion for music and, and playing come from? Uh, it really started when I was young, probably probably four or five. I, my parents kind of took notice that I enjoyed music, and uh, my grandpa had like a little band that he played in, and he lived right down the road from, or right next to me. So every Friday or Saturday night, they'd have little get-togethers, and they'd play music, and I'd just always gravitated towards that and I'd watch them playing old country music growing up and then my grandpa you know he kind of set me down I was like hey you know you, you should try and learn some of this and I just took to it and been playing ever since for the past about 20 years so. and I think that's the coolest thing about musicians in a lot of other areas where people are highly talented mm-hmm. they don't usually invite those that are learning or don't know and I'm not saying not all the time but if you've got a a really great painter they don't usually invite you to come work on the same canvas as them yeah but i've been to a lot of places and i still don't know how to play guitar at all um but you sit around the campfire and it doesn't matter there may be one of the best guitarists and singers there and some guy that just picked up the guitar but they really don't care if you all sit around and you're all picking together and trying to learn and figure it out so that's a really cool thing about music it's kind of that communal feel in the the community that it builds yeah it's a lot of fun and and with those campfires, you know, and just kind of, that's kind of how I got started too, was once I got older, you know, I'd go out on a Friday night after school and kind of play and a few words would come together. Then within an hour, you know, you could have a song. So that was always really fun to me. And when you go into that, you know, looking to write a song, how long does it take you to sit down and try and write a song? Um, they say that, uh, some of the best songs people write it happens within about 30 minutes you can have the whole song but there's also songs that's taken me like the song i'm going to play today it took me just about a year to actually even start it i tried and i tried and just couldn't get the words together and what i wanted to say and how i wanted to it to be said but uh after you know what's been going on in our community for the last month or so now i just figured it'd be the best time to start this and you know and i that's the amazing thing to me too because i'll be honest probably something that intrigues me more than anything is great songwriters mm-hmm. uh, i mean i love musicians but those that can really write songs yeah whether they're a, a famous musician along with that or they're the guy behind the scenes that's writing songs i find it amazing and i love reading books about them and i love listening to interviews with them <clears throat> and what you just said amazes me the best ones are sometimes written in mere minutes. Yeah. And then some others, they've got half-written songs that are just missing the chorus or missing a hook or missing the right melody to go with it. Yeah. or what a, It's missing an element that can sit in a notebook for them for years and years and years. And then, you know, they'll talk about hearing something walking through the mall and they're like, oh my gosh, that's what it needs. This yeah. is it. And create another hit. That's just amazing yeah. to me that you guys have that mentality that's something i don't have in that sense like i i can't i can't sit down and even think about putting together a song so i find it so intriguing and amazing what you can do yeah it comes it can come from anywhere you know just like you said you can be walking through a mall and just hear something or 
there's been times where, you know, people have been talking to me and they'll just say a line, you know, talking about life or something like that. And it just clicks. So obviously you start with your grandfather and, and mm-hmm. being around him. So, but, but why the country music? Why does that connect with you so much? I think the main thing that just pushed me towards country music so much is there's so much truth in what they say, especially the older songs, you know, uh, they write about, you know, life and, and struggles that people go through and not only the bad times, but the good times. And I feel like, uh, for me, I can relate a lot to those songs. And, you know, it's really, it's funny because I think a lot of people think that what I would call real country music is dead. Yeah. Um, because a lot of what you hear on the radio today is, is pop country or yeah. arena country, but it, it's really taken on a, no, a whole new genre. I mean, Americana yeah. in that sense yeah. is a genre of that old storytelling songwriting. You know, when you start talking about the Tyler Childers, yeah. you know, the um, Sturgill Simpsons, yep. the Ward Davises, you know, I mean, you can go on and on, but Americana has become the resurrection really of that old time country you're yeah. talking about where you're exactly right. You're telling the truth of life that mm-hmm. there are good yeah. But we also all don't wear, don't live these Facebook lives where we all look perfect either. There's yeah. struggles. There's tough yeah. times. So I agree. That's what always gravitated me growing up with my parents and, and my grandparents was hearing the truth in those songs yeah. and that life was real for those people. Yeah. And that's that's another reason why I kind of, you know, wanted to, to write the song that I did is just because. I knew that I know that I'm not the only person dealing with it. You know, there's a lot of people that were closer to a lot of these people. And, uh, you know, I've always coped with uh, things through music and hopefully that this song helps other people, you know, kind of, it's not going to take all the pain away, but just something, you know, just to know that other people's been in that situation. So obviously you start, you know, your grandpa tells you that, you know, you should start learning some of these things. So where do you go from there? Where do you go from being the guy that, knows how to play a handful of songs and is great around a campfire to being the guy that actually wants to perform um, and write and those kind of things? Uh, once I uh, started, got, or started playing, uh, actually, I put the guitar down after a couple of years just because I wasn't taking to it as well as I wanted to. But uh, my oldest sister, she uh, wanted to learn how to play piano. So my dad bought her a piano and we put it in my room. And... Uh, after about a week, she gave up on it, and it was just sitting in my room. So I uh, sat down and started playing. My dad actually used to play, and uh, that's actually what I started playing mainly. And, uh, you know, any Chicago journey, I just loved listening to that stuff because my parents listened to that too. But uh, by the time I turned 15, that's when I really got back into to playing and uh, got with a band and started out slow. I mean, I think our first show we played five songs. And a lot of nerves, you know, going into that. But uh, after about six months, you know, we were playing four-hour shows, and I was we were playing fifty to sixty songs, which uh, is hard. We did a lot of practice. I think we practiced probably three or four times a week for about three hours a night. Wow! Trying to get ready for song or for shows and stuff. And after you know, got getting to travel. Like I've been to Iowa, Nebraska, and all these other places and these big venues and like eight second saloon and played and, and just seeing the, the crowds and just feeding off that. I just fell in love with it. And now that first band, that was Sand Creek soul, correct? Yes, yes. Which uh, I was lucky enough to see several times uh, and loved watching you guys. 
And but I think that's another thing that somebody listening may not understand. And you know, I push a lot to go support local live music mm-hmm. and and people that are out playing. But it's a grind. Not just it's a grind that every Friday and Saturday you're going to be somewhere playing until one or two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And all of you have your own day jobs too that you got to be back up for yeah. and ready for. But like you said, there's four or five nights of practice for you know three hours a night to be ready to go play yeah. Friday and Saturday. Exactly. Yeah. We. Uh, I mean, we played. I remember one night we played in Iowa. I think it was like a might have been Nebraska, but it was like a ten or twelve hour drive from here. And we played that Friday night down up in Nebraska. I think it was, and Saturday night, and we got done about two or three o'clock in the morning. Drove home that night and went and played at uh, Streamcliff at like one o'clock that next day, that oh afternoon. <laughs> and it, but it, it's the grind that you have to take. I yeah. mean, no matter what, you have to be willing to go go on that grind. And then, so Sand Creek Soul, like like a lot of bands, kind of goes their own way. Yeah. Um, which is, I, I shouldn't say it's cool because I, I I would love to see you all still together, but it is cool to me to see the success that you guys have had on your individual journeys too, yeah, because, yeah. you know, all those guys have kind of moved into other bands or, you know, other things on their own. And, and so that's been pretty cool to see. Yeah. I'm glad they're sticking with it. And, uh, you know, we, you know, I, st- I've still talked to them and we left on good terms and, you know, I hope nothing but the best for them. I'm sure they feel the same way for me. So seeing them succeed, it, it makes me feel good too. So, so after that, where did you kind of end up with from there? Well, after I left uh, playing with them, I uh, I played a little bit of just my own shows, you know, like up at Brooklyn Pizza mm-hmm. and everything, and just kind of around here, and uh, was working a lot, and I was working night shift, actually, and just kind of, my fault, but I kind of just let everything go for a while, and just focused on working, and trying to put money back, and stuff like that, you know life things yeah and then, adulting uh, things yeah that, which yeah. Is unfortunately not as, you have to do it's but. not as fun as they make it out to be when you're young <laughs> no and, when you're when you're 15 16 you can't wait to be an adult then yeah. when you're an adult you can't wait to be 15 or 16 yeah <laughs> but uh yeah so i i've been sitting around and and writing and, and playing and i just felt like it was about time just to get back out there and 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 play again and kind of make my rounds and just you know, like you said, get back on the grind about it. So, how tough is it? You've been in both a band and then performing by yourself. How tough is it to be there without the band and it just be you? It's different. There's a lot that a, a band brings uh, when you're when you have that because there's you know you have the electric guitar and your drums and and it it really fills in what you're doing. But on the other hand, you know, when you're playing just acoustic, it's a more personal, I guess. Especially if you play for these crowds like uh, like I did last night at Hippies and, and Vernon. And you you actually have people staring at you. And they're, they're just watching you and listening. But, you know, some of these bars and you go, it's, it's a party crowd. So you're not getting a whole lot of attention. But sometimes you can, but... You know, usually people there are playing darts or playing pool and having a good time. Yeah, they're doing everything else. But. Yeah, and still listening to music, but uh, on uh, certain shows, just me playing, it's more intimate, I guess. And, and you know, I think that's the the thing I've always liked is, you know, the opportunities I've been to to be to some of those small shows, or even if it's a, a house party where someone plays, mm-hmm. and where you can really, you know, 
pay attention to what the lyrics are and mm-hmm. hear them and, and hear what they're what they're singing about and and I'm sure that show at Hippies was pretty cool because yeah. that is a that's another cool venue mm-hmm. that kind of when you go there you know it's about the music yeah and I'm glad that North Vernon and Vernon um, Jennings County has something like that now yeah. that it's about about the music yeah you get a lot of good feedback too you know when people are really you know watching and listening as close as they can which is great which I enjoy a lot so. So and then when you're when you're on your own in that kind of party crowd environment, mm-hmm. do you feel pressure that you have to be even, you know, like we talk about in podcasting, we have kind of our own personalities, but then on some of our shows we have to be our personality turned up to 10, you know, because yeah. you got to try and entertain. Yes. Do you feel like that when you're on your own that you've got to really if it's if you're in that bar scene and it's a party crowd, I've got to I've got to be bigger than the room. There is a a drive to do that. Especially when I was playing in the band, you know, we'd play some of these shows where people were just really pumped up to be there, and they were they were listening real well and and you know having a good time. So you kind of feed off that. You don't really realize that you're jumping around, you know, doing all these crazy or all this crazy stuff. But uh, I think the more that the crowd feeds you, then you feed it back to them, and it's just a, a, a circle, and it's great. It's it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I don't know how many how many songs did you want to play today. Uh, I got the one, but I could play more. Well, why don't we why don't we go ahead if you've got one a different one you want to play? Let's I'll let you play one here, and then we can come back and um, talk about the new song as well. All right, all right. I was only 17, I couldn't wait for 21 I'd hang around on Clayton Street And the bars there getting drunk A baseball cap and a fake ID Would get me in the clubs And I would dance with the college girls And lie about who I was I'd say I'm pre-med here at UGA, live on Millage Avenue. I was raised over in Bucket, I drive a BMW. I was breaking hearts and taking names and numbers just for fun. Stealing kisses, wishing I was 21. Thursdays came and pocket change would quickly disappear Upstairs at Lowry's Tavern we'd pay a nickel for a beer Shooting pool, smoking cigarettes with a dizzy head and a grin At 4 a.m. on a school night still hanging out with my friends When I would sleep on a dirty couch, no shower off to school Smelling just like a brewer weed with a bad hangover too The teachers all would hassle me, stay awake, pay attention I was catching hell wishing I was 21 
The youngest one of all my friends I didn't act my age Too cool for the football games And the homecoming parade Now I'm somewhere in the gray Of middle class and middle age the man in the mirror looks more like my father every day My clothes are out of fashion And my hair is getting thin And my favorite conversation starts with I remember when So we go down to that college town dancing at the 80s bars we drink until we feel a whole lot cooler than we are And I just look at all them college girls So innocent and young And I just check them out and say, damn I wish I was 21 You wouldn't know this coming in, but that is one of my favorite all-time songs. Really? Yes, Corey Smith. I yeah. am a huge Corey Smith fan, so I could have done that in a duet form with you, but you wouldn't have <laughs> wanted it. Uh, you'd have been disappointed, so I had to cut my mic off. But uh, no, one of, I've got to see him live a couple times. One of my favorite uh, artists there are out there. He's so. great. He reminds me a lot. Uh, you know, I think he he was like the first one that kind of led me into like the Tyler Childers and all that. You know, he was kind of the little bit more outlaw he's not on the radio you know unfortunately but and that amazes me because he does have he is that kind of cross between kind of the pop country and you know he's not as outlaw as tyler childers and ward davis and some of them but he's not pop either but he's got some of those pop elements yeah he's got catchy songs that you would think he would catch on but it no i'm a huge Corey smith fan so when you hit the first like two or three chords of that song i was like oh my gosh he's playing <laughs> 21 i just played it upstairs earlier this morning so yeah, it's a great song it is and um so again when you even when you look at that when you're trying to build out a set list mm-hmm. how do you kind of determine what i'm going to show up and play at a, at a show uh i based off first off uh I try and figure out what kind of crowd I'm going to be playing for. If I'm playing for, like, an older crowd, you know, I stick with, like, the Johnny Cash and the Hank Williams, stuff like that. But I still throw, you know, some newer stuff in there in some of my songs. But if I'm playing, like, for people around my age, you know, I I try not to go too much past, like, the early 2000s because I just I don't listen to a whole lot of country music now. But, you know, like the Tim McGraw and the Kenny Chesney and uh, all those kinds of guys, that's... I really like the 90s country the most. The new stuff is pretty tough. Yeah. I mean, outside of, I'll give Eric Church. Yeah. Um, I like some Eric Church stuff. Now, he's kind of gone a little weird on me, but uh, <laughs> I like Eric Church. Luke Combs, I like a lot. Yeah. And that's probably that's probably about it. That's yeah, that's about, about, that's about who I listen to as well. <laughs> I, I mean, I hate and, and I've told people before, like, I've got some, some pop country songs. My wife loves pop country, and... <laughs> I mean, they're guilty pleasures. I mean, they're catchy, just like any pop song. Yeah, yeah. They're just not real country music. Exactly. Like, and what I always compare it to, and I've kind of become a, a vinyl snob because I love vinyl records, mm-hmm. and 
I always think about would I want their entire album on an album. His albums are so important to me. I'm not yeah. part of the whole single revolution. Like I love putting on Sturgill Simpson. I'm going to listen to it both sides, front to back, mm-hmm. and hear it all. So, yeah, there are some that, don't get me wrong, are catchy, and you would probably catch me singing along if I'm in the car <laughs> with my wife. But overall, there wouldn't be something I'd, I'd listen to all the time. Yeah, and it it's that's an album that I'd like to put out. You know, something that has a little bit of everything in it, but it's something that you can enjoy the whole way through. And it, it's hard to find, you know, albums like that nowadays. For me, at least, that's, you know, you can listen to the whole thing through and just... It has a theme. It yeah. has a reason why, you know, that's that's the other thing. I was, um, I was uh, Cody Eichert I was talking to on here, and we were talking about, you know, that idea of some of those great albums, that whether you're talking about Zeppelin or, um, you know, the Beatles or some of the yeah. crazy things they came up with, they went in with this theme. We're going to do this kind of thing and mm-hmm. try to make this whole record have this sound. And today you don't get that because it's no. about if I can hit one single, Yeah. to be honest, if they can hit one or two singles, I think for most of them, the other 10 songs don't matter. They'll they'll produce trash just to put out a, Al- an album. Yeah. And it's sad because that's one of the best things. Even, you know, I, I my wife makes fun of me, but... I love even bad albums, like mm-hmm. some some artists that put out stuff that maybe wasn't that popular um, with the general public. If it was something they really did something different, I love it because it's yeah. something that not you won't hear on the radio that everybody doesn't listen to. Yeah, um, those kind of things. So let's jump in though here with this song because I'll be honest. <clears throat> obviously, like I said, I I had watched you in Sand Creek Soul and mm-hmm. um, got the chance to see that, and and I am. I'm a big enough man to sit here and say that when I listened to your song the first time through, I think I was just shocked and numb. Mm -hmm. And I played it again right away, and my wife came out as I was playing it, and I I mean, I was tearing up. I mean, it was a it's a very emotional song. Mm -hmm. It's a very powerful song and a strong song. And like you said, especially with the connection to what has happened here the last few months, but Mm -hmm. what has happened in our town, um, especially with young people over the last few years. Mm It really hit home. So I know you said that you had started the song and then had had to come back to it. So kind of explain that process for the wait. Okay. Uh, so I believe it was uh, it was early December last uh, last December. Uh, the month before that, or a couple months before that, my sister and my grandma were in a terrible car accident. They got uh, somebody ran a stop sign at like sixty five mile an hour and. You know, my grandma, she's 80 now, so, I, so this was just, she was 79 at the time, so she was pretty banged up, and my sister had to go into surgery, and and then that next, you know, a few months later, I lost my first cousin, due to kind of like the similar stuff that's going on, but uh, he was uh, clean for like 15 or 20 years, and just one day just relapsed, and I really wanted to start writing it like while the the feelings were fresh i guess you know keep it in my mind but with so much going on i just couldn't write it so i you know about once or twice a week i'd sit down and try and write something just get words on a page and and maybe figure out some chords and i actually had an, a song like halfway started that i was going to be that song but i kept putting it down kept putting it down because i just didn't want to put something out there that wasn't true and uh you know at when I seen all this happening within the past, like you said, a few months, you know, it seems like every day I was waking up to seeing something happening, you know, and 
couple people I didn't know, but I mean, a lot of people is just, you know, there were people that were just so loving and just upbeat, you know, that you would never think anything like that. And Huge personalities. Yeah. The film yeah. room, yeah. And uh, I was like, I think, it, you know, it's time to actually sit down and not just write this for me and my my situation. But if I can get this out there, maybe it'll reach some friends, some families of the people that's passed and help them, you know. And, you know, and it it was amazing to see you kind of catch fire on Facebook mm-hmm. as well. Because I, I don't even know in your end how many shares it end up, ended up with. But uh, it was like 70 or something. I had I like, say, I had like eight shares just on the post I shared. Yeah. Uh, and so it was really cool to kind of see it go around because I do think it had a, a great effect on a lot of people. That, that's what I was hoping for, too. And like you said, I, I looked at it like a couple days later, and it had like almost 2,000 views on it already. So I'm, I'm really happy that it got out there the way it did. And I hope it keeps going. So, And, you know, and it was, I, I will say, Friday night I had um, several former football players over here, and we had a kind of a little reunion and get-together. Mm-hmm. And it all came out of one of the toughest things I've ever heard a, a former player student tell me was at one of the funerals, and they said, can we please do something instead of seeing each other at funerals? That's the only time we all are together and see something. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, and it, it kind of it, it reminds me of what you said about, it, you know, becoming an adult. Mm-hmm. I, I played with lots of guys and good friends of mine and coached with lots of great guys when I was in Evansville. And, you know, you're around them all the time. And then as you move on, you're you're not. Yeah. And you kind of grow apart. And that was like the thing that hit me when – this player said that I'm thinking, man, you guys are just in your twenties and you're already feeling this idea that the only time I see everybody is we show up at the funeral home. And so that was important to me to make that change. And I know we talked the other night about your song and, Mm -hmm. um, I know it's been a really powerful thing for all of them. So I want to know this though, before you play it, when you write a song like this, that is so emotionally driven and powerful, do you constantly, I mean, when you play it, you, you have to still be feeling those emotions every time. Yeah, I do. And I think that's what makes it special for me, too, because, you know, no matter where I play it, when I play it, I think about my cousin. I think about, you know, all these kids my age that, have, you know, that we've lost. And I and I hope that, you know, maybe a per, one person in the crowd that hasn't heard it, you know, maybe they're going through something. Maybe that'll help them. And so, yeah, I, that's my favorite part about playing it out. It's just not that I want to relive those feelings, but just to know that, you know, they, they're hearing it and it's getting around and people are getting on with their lives and it's helping them cope with it. So Well, and I, I want to just commend you because, you know, one thing that I talked about with some of my friends after the situations that happened you know, was the idea that as men, we're not upfront and honest all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a good buddy of mine, BJ Robbins, and I did a podcast about some of the mental health issues we've struggled with mm-hmm. and the things we've been signed about. So even you coming out and showing your emotion through this song and that it is real mm-hmm. and it's okay to have emotions. And yeah. um, I think it's important because I think far too long as men in this world, we think that we just have to burden it all. We have to hide it all. Mm-hmm. We've got to put on a you know a suit of armor and just make things happen. And yeah. at some point, we do got to talk to each other. We've got to be there for each other because yeah. the struggles are real. Yeah, and the, you know the more you hold it in, the, 
the the harder it's going to be on containing that. And uh, like you said, you know, kind of like the the masculine genre that meant that we put on, you know, to be strong and be there for you know kids and, and women and stuff like that. But sometimes you you know you gotta like you said you gotta talk about it. You gotta, and I think that's the main thing too that I'm trying to stress is you know if people have you know it's okay to talk about that stuff people go through that stuff so and you know and it was the hardest thing for me to learn and I'm probably still not the best at it but you know the analogy that in the airplane you have to put your oxygen mask on first if you don't put it on first you can't help anybody else out Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what I see there and that's probably where my whole identity of masculinity has changed is I thought you know, as, as a true man, you did everything for everybody else first. Mm-hmm. But if you wear yourself down to where you can't be that man, yeah, it doesn't know one any good. So being able to take care of yourself and make sure you're healthy is, is very, very important. Yeah. So, well, I don't want to wait any longer. And uh, that's about as perfect of a segue as I could lead into <laughs> the wait. Uh, but, you know, this is, um, like I said, this is a really special song even for me. And Uh, I appreciate you coming on the play. I'm glad to be here. Besides the dirt and dust on my dash, in the corner there's a photograph. Never thought to be the last one we take. I still pull it out now and then. I wipe it off and put it back again. Pull myself together, try and get on with my day. And yeah, I know we said goodbye, but I still. If I'm lucky, a whole day But I know life don't work that way And it might take a while But I'll be there someday If you don't mind the way And I realize it's all just a dream I've talked to God and I've talked to friends Praying that this pain will end I never knew this world could be so cruel and mean And yeah, I know we said goodbye But I still don't Give every dollar I ever made To see you a couple hours 
If I'm lucky a whole day But I know life don't work that way And it might take a while But I'll be there someday If you don't mind the wait Yeah, I know we said goodbye But I still don't know why And I give every dollar I ever made See you a couple hours If I'm lucky a whole day But I know life It might take a while, but I'll be there someday If you don't mind, no, if you don't mind If you don't mind the wait Amazing, man. Thank you. Amazing. I mean it. You know, and, and I want to. I want to say this. This is the thing that probably gets me as much as anything with that song. And being a father and, and having two young sons, and also being one that probably struggles as much as anybody with the balance between my profession and and home. Mm-hmm. That song smacks me in the face every time. With you know, I'd give my, I'd give every money, all the money I ever make. And I think sometimes we forget that, you know, we Mm -hmm. chase money, we chase materialism, we chase all those things. And then once we think we've made it, we look back and what we've missed is all the memories and opportunities and the things that are so much more important than the material thing. So that song smacks me in a lot of different ways, but that's one. Um, And it reminds me all the time that I need to make sure I'm doing the best I can to balance and and make memories with my boys as well as provide. So. It's absolutely amazing, man. I mean it. Thank you. That is, and I don't say this, just everybody walks on here, but hands down one of my favorite songs out of anything I listen to. Because it is, it's really, really good. So I'm hoping to, uh, to record it soon. And just, I think what I would like to see out of it is, uh, you know, when I go in to record this is kind of like that. Tyler Childers effect, you know, just me and my acoustic. And I think, I think stripping things down like that uh, on certain songs gives it so much more meaning and, and that intimate. Yeah, that aspect. song that song does not need a lot of production no. behind it. And I would agree with you because I think it will just take away from the words. Because that's the yeah. other thing about that song. Every time I think I listen to it and um, it, I, I catch something else that makes me think of something else. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many other things there 
You know, just like I was talking about my boys. Sometimes when I hear it, I think of me telling them, hey, just wait a minute. Yeah. Just wait a minute. Then we'll do this. Or wait a minute. We'll do this. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, let's just go do it right now. Yeah. Quit quit worrying about the weight of, of that. And yeah. So, no, I think you're exactly right. I think that needs to be raw and just you and that acoustic yeah. because it is that's pretty special it was really good on the facebook live but to hear you say you're and play it yeah it's really special so that's my uh my cheap plug if you get a chance to go see jacob live go see him because it is well worth hearing the wait live so so you'd like to go in and record this one so where is kind of where are we looking to go from here what i'm looking for is uh you know keep playing keep writing and uh you know keep writing songs that have meaning like that one you know not that situation necessarily but you know write about things that people can you know get you know understand and and people that will get along with that song i guess is what i'm trying to say but you know write a good few songs go in record and uh you know hopefully release it and i'd like to actually maybe just start out with like an acoustic uh, album kind of like the Tyler Childers thing mm-hmm. we always talk about because uh, yeah I just think it gives it so much more meaning and if I can put out another four or five songs with the same uh, feelings and stuff the drive and uh, what I'm trying to say here but anyways just kind of like something people can relate to you know yeah, have a, that emotion a, a good it. album and not just to force an album, but to have an album that you're really proud of. Yeah, yeah, something that people can relate to is what. Yeah, and obviously you are um, you're still young, but mm-hmm. but obviously moving on. How is it? You know, I know you've got uh, a beautiful young lady over there in the corner that's supporting you. Yeah. And uh, so, how is it now that you're engaged? How is it trying to be a musician and you know live up to that? Uh, we're we've been talking through it, and you know we've kind of both know that I'm not going to be able to be here every weekend, you know, and be around the house and stuff like that. But uh, I take her with me as much as I can. So she gets to see the shows and hopefully, you know, branch out and play some Indianapolis and get back out of the, about back out of Indiana, maybe play out in Iowa again and kind of just go as far as I can with it is my goal. So. Well, it's pretty obvious that she's in full support of you because um, I don't know if she's paid attention to a word I've said, but every time you play, she's definitely looking over here. So (laughs) she's in full support. But it is and it is a cool thing because Mm -hmm. if you find the one that, you know, supports you in what you do as Mm -hmm. much as you can support them and their um, hobbies and interests, it makes things a lot easier. And, you know, it's it's like my wife and me. People always say, how in the heck do you do a podcast and do all this stuff you do? And well, it's because my wife enjoys it and she supports me and what I do. And um, so it's it's been a positive. So having yeah. that is as huge as you go forward. Yeah, so. it, it means a lot to have, you know, people behind you backing you, not only, you know, family, but friends, you know. So I'm glad I have family and friends that support me. So absolutely. So I'm going to ask you this. When you look at, you know, we've kind of talked about where your musical influences come from, but, you know, what who are your favorite artists right now when you when you turn on some or when you're shuffling your playlist on your iPod or your iPhone what are you listening to usually see I uh, even though I play country I still listen to other stuff I like like I listen to ACDC sometimes oh, yeah. and uh, you know on that side and then I also uh, 
usually what I do, if I hear a song, and she can't stand it when I do this, but I will play it ten times in a row, just repeat, 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 until and then I end up growing tired of the song. But And then uh, you never want to hear it again. Then I don't want to hear it again. I'm the same exact way. <laughs> and then... Uh, because uh, I always complain if I hear it on the radio. I'll be like, all they all they do is play this song. I don't know how you listen to the radio. My yeah. wife's like, no, they don't. You play it all the time, and now you're over it. So, uh, But my main people I listen to is uh, a lot of Keith Whitley. Uh, I really enjoy his music. And I like, uh, I still listen to like Eric Church and uh, Brad Paisley. But usually when I go into like these newer artists, not well, kind of newer you know eric church is new if you're comparing him to johnny cash yeah but uh i'll go to like some of their early albums and i'll listen to stuff they first put out and uh before they were overproduced yeah overproduced and you know getting sold these songs or buying these songs that are upbeat and everything but i listen to tyler childers like i've mentioned a thousand times but uh i like a lot of uh chris stapleton is one that we left out yeah and, and I, I just thought of that when I said the only two I'd listen to is Luke Combs and Eric Church, but Stapleton's right there. And, you know, I think one of the most amazing things was him a couple years ago when he first burst on the scene and they had Song of the Year at the the CMAs or whatever, mm-hmm. but his song was up and the other two songs he was against, he wrote those two songs. So three of the four songs were his. Per, and I, I just looked at my wife and I'm like, how do you do that? Like, how do you have you sell two songs, they both make it and you sing your own and they make it. But yeah. the dude is just unreal. And I mean, he claims he's got notebook after notebook after notebook of, of songs ready to go, which is just insane to me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I went back when I first, when Chris Stapleton broke on the scene, you know, with Tennessee whiskey and stuff and I actually started going back just to see what he was doing previously. And I went back to when he was playing with the steel drivers. Oh Yeah playing the bluegrass and you know i still listen to that so and that's i think my wife makes fun of me all the time but i have a very crazy taste for music as well like i mean if if you just hit a rant and i've got several different playlists set up depending on the mood i'm in but if you just hit shuffle all of my iphone you may get acdc to dave matthews to bluegrass to hip-hop to Old school country. I mean, it, it is like my wife just shakes her head at me. She's like, I don't know how this is coming on. Now. <laughs> like there's no, but just anything, I guess, that, that connects with me or speaks to me, I think is something that, you know, I really enjoy and, and really yeah. like. So, um, you know, because even in hip hop, I think there's some guys that tell stories. And, yeah. you know, I, I've my mom always gets mad at me, but I always say that, you know, there's guys in hip hop that are closer to old school Johnny Cash country than what new country is because yeah. they're telling a story. It's a totally different sound. Don't get me wrong, but the th- same thing, the truth, the stories, the things are, are right there and what they're telling. Yeah. So, but so, yeah, so you've got all those influences that, that kind of come together and obviously you're, you you want to look here to, to putting out your own um, acoustic album any interest in the future of putting back together a band or is it really right now you want to want to kind of do it on your own? I think uh, kind of get back out there on my own at first and get some songs going. And uh, when she gets out of uh, college, we plan on moving to Nashville. So I got uh, actually quick story. Uh, have you ever heard of Ashley McBride? She's like a newer country singer that yes. just came out. Uh, back when I was with Sand Creek Soul, me and Jacob Asher went down there just to kind of check out the scene. And we had. Uh, a couple of 
friends that were playing down there. And they took us around, and we just went all over Nashville that one day. And we went to this little rinky-dink bar just to, to watch this, like, songwriters thing. And Ashley McBride was on stage singing. And, uh, you know, there was probably 100 people there maybe. And uh, she got down off the stage, and she came and talked to us and met us and, you know, said, hey, it's nice to meet you. And that was the last I heard of her, and now she's on the radio. So It is... I'll tell you, Nashville's one of my favorite cities to go to, and it is crazy because any little bar down there has someone ultra-talented in it. Yeah. And it, it's just amazing. I We went down there several years ago, and we were at a little bar, and all of a sudden, they, you know, they it wasn't last call, but they were like, hey, anybody wants a drink, we're not going to do anything for about 20 minutes here, and mm-hmm. the kitchen's going to be shut down. I'm like, I've never been to a bar where they, like, stop serving, like, right in the middle of the night. <laughs> and... Well, I found out why, because all of a sudden, no joke, the, the guy out of the kitchen comes out with his like apron on and all nasty and greasy, and the bartender walks up, and she sings, he plays guitar, the bouncer comes up and plays drums, and they had their whole country band there together, but they had to <laughs> shut everything else down, so they'd go up and play for 20, 30 minutes, and then they'd come back and go back to work, and I'm like, and they were awesome, yeah. I'm like. I just looked at him like, how are you guys not just playing all the time? And yeah. she said, we got, got to pay bills too. And yeah. so we're lucky they let us do this here at this little bar. And I'm like, I have never seen anything like this, but ultra talented people. Yeah. And it, it is, it's amazing because you never know who's that next person that's yeah. going to gonna break out. It's crazy. Cause I mean, like you said, everywhere you go down there, especially if you're going down the main strip there, just bands everywhere and everybody's excellent. Everybody's so good. And I think it's exciting right now. As much as I'm negative about, you know, the the single, everybody just producing singles and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think you are at a very lucky time in music because that independent musician is something, when we talk about the the Tyler Childers and, you know, Ward Davis and um, all, of, all of that kind of Americana music, mm-hmm. they don't have to sign with huge record labels. No. They don't have to be on the radio. The power of the radio has been stripped away. Yeah. So you can really make it and go on these, you know, go on very successful tours yeah. without having to be huge radio play and all of those kind of things. I think that's that's one of the good things about social media now is there's so many artists and just not in country music, but just all kinds of genres just coming out and, you know, making a living just from posting stuff on Facebook and YouTube. and Absolutely. And, you know, and I think it's I think it's cool, you know. Garth Brooks is one of my all-time favorite entertainers, and you know I just love watching him. But he's kind of even went back with this whole dive bar tour. Yeah. And I listened to an interview with him the other day, and he said, you know, it was amazing. He walked in one bar in Oklahoma that he played when he was first coming up, and they still had the picture of him and the manager behind the counter from like 30 years ago. But, you know, and, and he said it was so cool for him to go back and do that. And I thought... For a guy that for 20-plus years have played sold-out arenas, mm-hmm. how cool would it be to be back in a dive bar with 250 people in it and just getting to tear the house down? Yeah. So I think you're, we're seeing a lot of that move back to that local music scene and those kind of things. Yeah. So the plan is to, to go to Nashville mm-hmm. um, and try and make make it work there. Yeah. Um, scary or exciting? A little both. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, I've talked to her about this, and, you know, there's a, like you said, there's a lot of people out there making a living doing it that aren't signed. 
So that gives me a lot of, you know, a lot of hope that you don't have to be, you know, signed to Universal Studios or Broken Bow Records with Jason Aldean to, to go out there and, and make a name for yourself. And, you know, and sometimes I think it's probably the smarter way because yeah. depending on the terms you get on some of those record deals, I don't know what Childers is making, but he's got to be doing all right because he's yeah. selling a lot of CDs on his own. Yeah. I mean, so... Uh, he's got to be he's got to be doing okay with what he's doing so uh, when you look at that though you know and you you kind of talk about that do, could you ever see yourself just being a songwriter and writing for someone else see uh i really enjoy songwriting so yeah i could i mean there's really good money in that too which it's not all about the money to me it's more about just going out and having fun and playing music but uh yeah i could see myself doing that and a lot of uh because I watch a lot of interviews on artists and how they got their start, and not just country, but, you know, the Eagles and all these guys. And, uh, you know, they usually start out as songwriters, and that's what happened with Jason Aldean because he was he signed a, a, a songwriter contract, and his contract was up within, like, two weeks. And he said that in his interview that he was applying for jobs back in his town at factories. And with between that two weeks and the end of his contract he wrote Hicktown and they signed him as a performer and it, that is the crazy thing yeah. and, I, and that's the only thing about being a songwriter is I think it's so tough to decide if you're going to try and take that next step which one do you hold back yeah. you know because Hicktown would have been one that you could see him selling to somebody at that point yeah. but you know and, and I guess that's what also amazes me about Stapleton is he's doing it both you know yeah. he's able to sell things and um, you know, still uh, write for himself. Ed Sharon's another guy that amazes me with yeah. that. He writes all these songs for everybody else, and then turns around and still puts out, you know, yeah, gold albums. And so it, I do think that's amazing. But I still think it would be cool to even hear someone else kind of take their turn on your song and the way they interpret it and perform it. Yeah, and uh, see that's. When I first started really getting into music, I was searching, you know, and just looking at all these great songs that were coming out and realizing that the people singing them weren't the ones that were writing them. Because I've heard, I'm sure you heard the song Good Directions by Billy Currington. Oh, yeah. Luke Bryan wrote that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and and they actually have a recording of him playing and it's completely different. But it's just weird that you would think it's the people singing it would be writing it. But, it, and you know, I think that. It, I guess that's what sometimes bothers me about where country music has, has gotten to. Yeah. In the sense that right there, Luke Bryan can write. Yeah. And he's a musician, but it's so much more money for the industry for him to just take other songs and be overproduced and yeah. do some of those things. And I wish some of those guys would step away and strip themselves back down and, and write music and those kind of things as well. But yeah. um so yeah, it's it's a it's a crazy thing when you start looking at, and that's another reason why I hate the online music thing. One of the coolest things, you know, when I was a kid, was getting a CD, and you still could look at who wrote the songs, who yeah. performed on the songs. You know, I grew up a Dave Matthews fan, so anytime Tim Reynolds was on a song, that was a big deal as a guitar player. Yeah, you know, these other guys that would come in and out of the band. So I think that's something that's lost too. So I think it's cool that that you have that history of wanting to go back and see where those songs came from. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I like about writing my own, you know, songs and, and being at this stage is because they're I'm not buying them from somebody else. And, it, you know, I 
I feel like it'd be hard to have a connection with the song that somebody else wrote. I do too. I do too. I mean, I, I just like I said, when I listen to you play the weight, you know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know that anybody else, someone would really have to connect with that song emotionally in a way for it to mean something to them to mean the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, brother, we are at 53 minutes already. It goes fast. <laughs> it does. I thought that was about 15 minutes. Uh, do you want to play one more before you leave? Uh, yeah, let me give me one second. No, you're fine. Think of a song here. We, uh, we'd love to hear one more. All right. said grandpa wants this picture here it's all black and white and ain't real clear is that you there said yeah I was 11 times were tough back in 35 and that's me and Uncle Joe just trying to survive a cotton farm Great Depression If it looks like we were scared to death Like a couple of kids just trying to save each other You should have seen it in color This one here's taken overseas In the middle of hell in 1943 In the wintertime You could almost see my That was my tail gunner, old Johnny McGee. He was a high school teacher in New Orleans, and he had my back right through the day we left. And if it looks like we were scared to death, like a couple of kids just trying to save each other, you should have seen it in color. A picture's worth a thousand words But you can't see what those shades of gray keep covered You should have seen it in color This one here's my favorite one This is me and Grandma in the summer sun All dressed up The day we said our vows You can't tell it here But it was hot that June And that rose was red And her eyes were blue Just look at that smile I was so That's the story of my life Right there in black and white And if it looks like we were scared to death Like a couple of kids just trying to save each other You 
Thank you. That's uh, that's one of my favorites too. <laughs> I painted my whole first house. I bought it with uh, Jamie Johnson CDs and knew them front and back. So that is uh, that's one of my favorites as well. But Jacob, man, I you're ultra talented. I appreciate you coming on today. I appreciate what you're doing. I love the new song. Um, and I got to be honest, even though I am a huge Corey Smith fan, love Jamie Johnson, but. Your song's the best thing you played today, and I'm not just saying that, man. I, I mean it. Um, that song means a lot. Good luck in everything you do. The only promise I'm going to ask is two things. Number one, you get everything recorded, come back on, and let's uh, let's talk about it as we release something. And when you hit it big in Nashville, don't forget the first podcast that sat down and talked to you. I won't. Thanks, man. <laughs> so, Thanks for having me. We appreciate it, brother, and wish you all the best. Uh, any other shows you got lined up that you want to let people know about? Uh, not right now, but I'm I'm working on getting something hopefully this next weekend, and just kind of keep it going every weekend for a little while, for a little while, and then uh, get back out there and get some new songs coming and, and writing some new songs. So, so if you're interested in going and seeing Jacob, kind of follow his Facebook or follow the Speaking from Experience Facebook. I'll uh, I'll share everything out that he's got going on, and uh, we'll try and make sure that everybody gets out to see him play. All right, thanks, man. Thank you.